Hey guys, welcome to the latest episode of the 4040 Vision podcast, the ultimate sports history pod where hindsight is 4040. Before we get started, let's pay some bills and hear from our presenting sponsors. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the 4040 Vision Podcast, the ultimate sports podcast brought to you by Sideline Sports. I'm your host, Osama Dehoud. Joined with me today is my co-host, uh, Khalil Abdullah. How's it going, man? Good, man. Good, good. So uh, this is episode five. We're recording it on January 28, 2022. And uh, we're going to cover the top five what-if moments in the history of the Buffalo Bills, most recently uh, eliminated from the AFC Divisional Round. Uh, to remind you of the concept of, of, of the podcast, the moments we'll be discussing are a 50-50 coin flip situation or decision where you can make an educated guess on what could have been uh, had these situations worked out differently. So far, we've covered a few other NFL teams, the Raiders, the 49ers, and the Cowboys. So now we're doing one of the more tortured franchises not just in the nfl uh history but in in sports as well uh so we're gonna alternate uh between five uh different moments they might might be some overlap given we're covering the bills there might be a couple of uh of moments in common uh so i'll let Khaled go and we'll uh, share our, our moments what, what's your first moment okay so this is uh not just you know a, a big time moment in, in Buffalo Bills history, one of the big moments in NFL history. And it's a game that is identified by two simple words, and that is wide right. So uh, basically the, the the Bills are, you know, driving late against the New York Giants. Um, they have a chance to win the game um, and up steps kicker Scott Norwood, um, who ends up missing a 47 yard field goal you guessed it, wide right. So my what if, um, and I'm sure you're going to add some color and some context to this one, but the question is, you know, what happens if the Bills win Super Bowl uh, 25 in 1990 and that kick does not go wide right? So I'll let you uh, expand on this one a little bit before we dive into the actual what if. Yeah, so this is arguably the best team, one of the best teams that put together that didn't win a Super Bowl I mean, they're in the top three, top five. You can th- probably throw the 2007 Patriots in there, 98 Vikings, 68 Baltimore Colts, et cetera. There's, there's a couple other ones in there. Maybe the greatest show on turf, not going back to back, something like that. Uh, so what made this Bills team really special is they developed a no-huddle offense uh, that other teams just couldn't handle. It, it's not that it's the first ever no-huddle offense, but the way they ran it was unstoppable. The pace was quicker than a typical no-huddle offense. They just exhausted other defenses, and they outworked them. They had a really, really good season. You had Jim Kelly. Uh, you had uh, Thomas uh, Thurman. It was just a hell of a team. Yeah, that's a famous uh, K-Gun offense. K-Gun, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so Bill Parcells' Giants, they constructed the perfect game plan. They wanted to control the clock. So they actually set 
a Super Bowl record holding possession of the ball for 40 minutes and 33 seconds. Uh, so the Giants also overcame a 12-3 uh, second quarter deficit with a 75-yard touchdown drive that took a Super Bowl record of nine and a half minutes off the clock. Did you know about this? That the Belichick and Bar- Parcells just as usual with their with their uh, uh, clever shenanigans. Yeah, I was gonna say that this sounds awful familiar. Uh, it's like the the Pats created show on turf Super Bowl, like the Pats Rams Super Bowl, the, the round two. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I didn't know about this, but it's a very familiar ploy for these kind of guys. And, and the Bills were just better than the Giants, and this was the perfect strategy. And I think the Bills really, in retrospect, have, have to rue their chances. Uh, but the defense can't be the only thing to blame as a result of this kind of clock management strategy. Their clock management on the last drive uh, wasn't great. They moved really slowly on that last play before the field goal. There was this Thurman Thomas run uh, that put them in field goal. I just realized I called him Thomas Thurman earlier. Thurman Thomas run that put them in field goal range. Uh, It just took so long to run up and spike the ball. They had eight seconds left before that 47-yard field goal. And they could have had 10 to 12 seconds left if they just scrambled a little faster. We've seen it happen a couple times in these 2022 playoffs. Um, And that was a fast-paced offense, right? Like they could have run another play, get that ball closer uh, for for Norwood to be in in better field position. And to be honest, they could have done that with eight seconds as, as well. So I think it was just a missed opportunity to get a little closer and I get teams weren't breaking off plays. That there wasn't Tyreek Hills and and these aliens back then. Um, but I just think that it was. It didn't seem conceivable, perhaps, because on the broadcast, Al Michaels said during the play the, during the call that they couldn't risk run, they couldn't risk running another play. Uh, but I, <laughs> I I beg to differ. I think they had a shot. It's a great impression. <laughs> That's my Al Michaels. Yeah. 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 No, it's that's a great point, and it's. It, it's the little things, right? It's always the execution. I mean, they they probably weren't ready for a dogfight the way that, that the Giants did it. Like you said in the past, you know, they Bill Parcells teams, Bill Belichick teams, they muck things up and they make it ugly. And when you're a K-gun, you know, run and shoot, spread offense, you're not, you know, prepared for for the muck. You're, you want the Autobahn, not, not, the, not the muck. Yeah. I, I, I agree. It became their legacy, right? Bar- Parcells and Belichick. And they really love that AFC, that uh, East and NFC East uh, uh, conference. So my what if for this is, if it's just a slight difference in execution. If they just get a couple more seconds back, they run a quick out route to Lofton. Maybe Norwood gets a 41-yard field goal instead of a 47-yarder and he buries it. And I think that's the only way they win. They were good enough to get to the Super Bowl uh, the other three years, but the teams they faced afterwards just totally outplayed them, Washington and, and, and Dallas. So this game was the one true opportunity they had. Uh, and this is the the one heartbreak uh, of, of all of those four heartbreaks. So winning yeah. this game would be the consolation, even if they did go four years in a row. Yeah, and I'm sure if you ask any any Bills fan, would you trade, you know, 10 Super Bowl appearances for for that victory, I think they would take it. And, uh, you know, 
from what they've said after Steve Tasker, the, the the famous special teams guy on these Bills teams, he basically said, you know, if if they had won that Super Bowl, and a lot of people say that, is they probably wouldn't have made it back for the next three years. Maybe they make it back one of those next three years because they're such a talented team, but the fight wasn't there or wouldn't have been there. So a Tasker said after the the, the next year, uh, they were in a, in a dog fight with the Denver Broncos in the AFC Championship game. And they, they kind of gritted their teeth and fought through it because they wanted, they were so motivated by the heartbreak of the season before. Uh, so if they win that first Super Bowl in 1990, there's a good chance they, they don't make the next three. That's a pretty safe bet, I think. So clear what if, if they win Super Bowl 25, they don't make the next three, which is a trade, like we said, the, the Bills fans would, would gladly make. Absolutely. Cool. Um, do you have anything else on this one? No, just it's it's one of many heartbreaks for this team. I mean, the next three Super Bowls were they were dominated pretty pretty handily by the team. So this was their by far their best chance, um, and it, the chance went wide right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So let let me let me transition to to well, that was my number one. So we both had the same number one, correct? That's right. Yeah. All right. So, so my number two is the Music City Miracle, and I think we have different what ifs <laughs> for this one. So, my, my what if question is: What if Wade Phillips wasn't a coward? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, there, and I have a, a reason for this, uh, and I think I have a good reason for this. Yeah, I, I didn't think this was fair until I looked into it. Um, so yeah, go on. <laughs> so this game is, if you're a Titans fan, a hundred percent a miracle. <laughs> um, there's some Bills fans I went to college with. You bring up this game. They just start mother bleeping everything. When you talk about this game, uh, the, the, they score at the end of the game to go up one, they kick a field goal, uh, and they kick it off to, uh, the new Tennessee Titans, formerly of the, of the Houston Oilers, um, and then they run this. Well, I'll let you explain the play. You 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 actually explain it better. The actual play itself, the uh, the Music City next. Miracle, yeah. aka the home run throwback. Um, so yeah, their t- Tennessee is uh, is trailing 16-15 after a forty-one yard field goal by Steve Christie. Sixteen seconds left, and we'll get it. In, we'll get into why there was sixteen seconds left. Uh, Lorenzo Neal takes the the. Uh, Recovers a kick, laterals it to, to Frank Wycheck, who throws it to Kevin Dyson across the field in one of the most controversial plays uh, in NFL history. Was, he, was it a forward pass? Was it not? Uh, Dyson runs 75 yards, scores a touchdown, and it's game over. So that, that's the Music City Miracle in Tennessee, and it's the – I don't know if they have a word for it in Buffalo, but – uh, the play was called the home run throwback. So, but yeah, let's get into why there were 16 seconds left in that, in that game. Yeah. So, and, and this goes to my, what if about Wade Phillips? Um, so without much time left in the game, the bills kick a field goal to go up by one. This is fine. It's fine to kick a field goal at the end of a game and go up by one with 16 seconds left. The problem that I have with this decision is that it was first down. Was <laughs> there was time on the clock? There was plenty of time on the clock. 
to do something else, run some, run a play, take a knee and clock it. They didn't do any of that. They just they had no timeouts. Just to be clear, they had, no Buffalo timeout. had no more timeouts. That's fine. There are still ways to stop the clock without calling uh, a timeout if you don't have any. Uh, so for me, this is really straightforward. Yeah, and it's almost it's almost standard practice now. You see teams do this all the time. I mean, just this year alone, I remember the Raiders doing it a couple times, where they would kneel, do whatever, clock it, and then kick, like you said, with, with time expiring. So maybe it wasn't standard practice 20 years ago, but it is now. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's criminal. It's egregious. It's cowardly. It's 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 so many things. So my what if is really simple. They they take a goddamn knee, they clock it, and then they kick it with time expiring. And they win the game, and there is no... Uh, miracle play that on a kickoff return there's no there leaves no shot they just yeah. win the game because they don't leave it the chance so if Wade Phillips wasn't uh, a coward the Bills would have won this game yeah I think they would have they might have had to take two knees because uh, Buffalo or sorry Tennessee had a two timeouts left I think at this time but the, the point still stands <laughs> run to two quarterback kneels and a, and a, you, you spike it and it's game over. Well, you kick it and it's game over. And they had a reliable kicker and it would have been a 42 instead of a 41 yard field goal. So a, a marginal difference. Um, but yeah, so your, what if was what if Wade Phillips wasn't a coward during the music city miracle game. And mine, I guess is kind of related to that. Um, because it's what if Doug Flutie started the famous Music City Miracle game instead of Rob Johnson? So just some quick back uh, or you know background here is in week 17 of that year, uh, the Bills played the Colts. The Bills had already like locked up their, their playoff spot. They couldn't move uh, up or down. So they started back up Rob Johnson. So Rob Johnson and Doug Flutie, you know, went back and forth. They were a big QB controversy. Rob Johnson and the backups wax Indianapolis, like 31 to seven, something like that. And the owner tells Wade Phillips, you're going to start Rob Johnson in the playoffs, even though Doug Flutie was the starter all year and had led Buffalo to a 10 and five record, uh, you know, as a starter. So it was a a direction for management. So the, the question is, if Flutie starts this game, you know, who had a pretty good year, who was, you know, a better quarterback than Rob Johnson. Does this play even happen? Does Buffalo, you know, wax Tennessee? Do they, they win this game? And it's, it's really unfortunate that this game came down to this play most likely because, you know, a backup won week 17 and the, the owner made the wrong decision. So yeah, maybe if Wade Phillips wasn't a coward and stood up to Ralph Wilson, they would have won this game too. <laughs> so the theme seems to be Wade Phillips is a coward. Yeah, unfortunately. And this was also like the last gasp game for a lot of the veterans from the Super Bowl team, like Andre Reed, uh, Bruce Smith, and Thurman Thomas were still on this team. Um, and you know, they they said that they they could they thought that they had a Super Bowl caliber team. I mean, both them and Tennessee were the wild card team, so it, it was uh impressive that that. Tennessee ended up making the Super Bowl that year. You know, they lost that famous game against the Rams. Uh, but yeah, maybe Buffalo makes it to the Super Bowl. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> well, if only Wade Phillips. Yeah. 
Okay. So that, that was my number three, but anything else on, on this game? No, I, I was right. young at the time. I watched this game, but it was so long ago. I, I just don't remember. I remember the last play. I don't remember the timeouts. And that's kind of why we call it 40-40 vision, right? Is uh, everything, it's, when you look back in hindsight, uh, it's it's 2020 and what's well, 40 excuse me 40, 40. I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> the yeah. timeout the no timeouts and the field goal and first down you remember like the broad strokes but the details that's that's a tough one so yeah yeah <laughs> um all right uh so let me turn it over to you then because that, that was my number two so what do you have next so yeah, the, the Music City Miracle for me uh, was number four. But my number two is what if the Bills pay OJ Simpson instead of trading? <laughs> I see you laughing. I know, I know this is the second time in five episodes that I've brought up OJ Simpson. Uh, and the first time was on the San Francisco podcast, where basically the failure of trading a million picks for OJ leads to the Bill Walsh era. So the successful move of trading away in aging O.J. Simpson ends up being one of the catalysts to the, you know, the Super Bowl. I don't want to say dynasty, but the AFC dynasty in the early 90s. So I'll try to breeze through this, but follow me on this, right? So in the, in the late 70s, uh, the, the Bills hire a new co- head coach by the name of Chuck Knox, um, and he wanted to basically initiate a rebuild, and he decided – I'm going to trade away, you know, my, my formerly great running back OJ Simpson to San Francisco 49ers who were a willing customer. So OJ goes back home. The bills end up getting five picks, including because the Niners ended up sucking the 1979 first overall pick. They draft a linebacker by the name of Tom Cousino. And the reason he is important is because this gentleman chooses not to play for the bills. He's like, um, you're not offering me enough money. Uh, there was a situation where he flew out to Buffalo after the draft and they didn't take him out to dinner. Just crazy things that, that just wouldn't happen in this era of the NFL. But he goes to the CFL. He plays for a couple years there. Um, he wins a great cup, great cup MVP. So he's obviously a great player. He gets hurt, tries to come back to the NFL, but not to the Buffalo Bills, of course. The Oilers make an offer for him. Buffalo matches the offer. And then the Cleveland Browns come in. The Cleveland Browns come. They make an offer to Cousineau. Cousineau accepts. And they end up sending three draft picks over the next three seasons, a first, a second, and a third. So they turned O.J. Simpson into eight draft picks. And the reason this is important is because Cleveland's first rounder in the 19 NF, in 1983 NFL draft was the 14th pick, and they ended up choosing Jim Kelly from the University of Miami. So it's a pretty clear what if. You can draw that line from OJ, the butterfly effect of, of OJ Simpson, is if they don't trade OJ, they don't get Jim Kelly. They don't take him in the in the with the 14th pick, and that means no Super Bowl appearances, no you know, mid nineties AFC or early nineties AFC dynasty. So are you going to say your famous line? Uh, which famous line? <laughs> Thanks OJ. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. No. Thanks OJ. 
<laughs> phrasing, phrasing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I get okay. what you mean. <laughs> the Niners' uh, 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 legacy, the 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 run that they had in the eighties, the the golden era with Bill Walsh, is a result of OJ Simpson being traded there. Uh, a direct result. Yeah, a direct result. He sucked so bad he got everybody fired. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was yeah it was management malpractice, and it's it's just so funny like reading back these these old stories of, you know it's just the like a lack of professionalism of this your first overall pick like comes to town and you stand him up at his hotel and he gets mad and says you know what I'm gonna go play in Canada, it's just so funny to think like you know, we, we think of the NFL as like, it's obviously now it's this multi-billion dollar organization. It's all, you know, super professional, but, you know, I think back then it was still more of like a mom and pop organization. Like it operated probably more like the office than like, you know, a, a global conglomerate. So I love these kind of stories, but yeah. So no OJ trade, no Jim Kelly, no Super Bowls, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then this is an interesting what if because a lot of the times when you have a franchise like Buffalo, uh, your what ifs are usually centered around some sort of heartbreak. But this is more so of a pivotal moment in franchise history that set up a lot of some of the success that they saw. Although they came up short, a lot of it was made possible uh, because of this. Yeah, yeah. And there, I have another one like that coming up. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll pass it back to you for your uh, number three. Yeah, so my, my number three is uh, very, very recently. We just saw it less than a week ago. And it's, what if the Bills stopped the Chiefs in those last 13 seconds? <laughs> um, brutal, it, brutal. Yeah, it's tough, right? Two words. is Wide right and 13 seconds are both two tough, short ways to describe uh, tough losses. This, this is a theme for the Bills. It's wide right, Music City Miracle, 13 seconds. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's uh, it's it's tough. It's really tough. This was obviously the most entertaining game you'll ever see. It's it's hard for football to, to get better than this. Uh, but if you're a Bills fan, it must have been hearts and mouths trying to watch this because of uh, what was at stake to a spot in the AFC Championship game. And yeah. it, it's tough that these two teams met, right? You. You had some notes on how this even came to be. Yeah, they basically happened because they both lost to a, I don't want to say subpar Tennessee team, but, you know, a Tennessee team that that was hobbled. Um, and the Bills lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was the final swelling, 9-6. Um, yeah. And, you know, you don't think about things like this when they happen. Maybe you did at the time, but, you know, if they, they were an 11-win team, and they were, I think, 0-5 in one-score games. So every loss was a one-score game. So if any of those one-score games go the other way, you know, it's it's very possible, or it, it's guaranteed that they would have hosted this game. Um, or they they host Cincinnati in the first round, um, you know, after a bye, or in the second round after a bye. So there's just any number of ways that this could have gone differently, and we would have gotten, you know, Chiefs Bills, in the AFC championship game or chiefs bills, you know, in orchard park instead of arrowhead. So, you know, thanks Jacksonville, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Or the, I mean the bills, right. The bills shouldn't have lost that game. Come on. 
They, they lost to Urban Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> That's who they lost to, Urban Meyer and, and, the, and, and his attitude. <laughs> uh, that spent the season calling everyone a loser in his path. Uh, what's tough about this loss is the, the Bills lost to the, the Chiefs the previous season in the AFC Championship game, and it was a blowout. Is that, this is an even better Buffalo team than last year and probably the best Buffalo team in a really long time. And there's going to be a, a lot of shaking up after this. Uh, they're going to lose their offensive coordinators, some key front office personnel. Um, Emmanuel Sanders is a free agent. Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison. They're, they're going to have to renew Devin Singletary and Dawson Knox and Cole Beasley next year. Stephon Diggs has two years left. Uh, their center, Mitch Morse. And uh, free safety, Jordan Poyer, is coming up too. So this season had a lot of solid pieces in place that are up in the air over the next two or three seasons that they'll need to address. And this is a salary cap sport, so it's yeah. it's unlikely for everyone to stay. And Josh Allen has such a huge contract. Uh, so th- that's what's going to make the aftermath of this tough. But back to what actually happened, because I don't think we touched on that yet. Uh, for, and uh, this might be too fresh, but it's important to note. <laughs> but last two minutes, 25 points are scored between these two teams. Uh, Bill's score uh, and a two-point conversion. Uh, yeah, I've, I've actually got – I can do a quick recap just to yeah, refresh probably, our memory because it was like it was like a tennis game. Like you're just turning your head as, as the, the swing of the racket. Um, so uh, basically the, the game really picked up with about nine minutes left. In the, in the fourth, uh, the Chiefs fail on a third and one deep in Buffalo territory, kick a field goal to go up 26-21. So perhaps if if the Chiefs score a touchdown on that drive, you know, none of this happens because they go up by nine. Anyway, Buffalo gets the ball back. They go on a long drive. They score on a fourth and 13 with two minutes left, and they get the two-point conversion to go up 29-26. KC responds in five plays and one minute. So Tyree Kill scores on a 64-yard touchdown to go up 33-29. So KC's up four. The Bills respond just as quickly. They score in 45 seconds and six plays to go back up 36-33. And they leave 13 seconds left on the clock. Um, KC responds. They go 44 yards in two plays and only take 10 seconds off the clock because they had all three timeouts. They kick the field goal, tie the game, goes to overtime. KC wins the toss, score a touchdown in eight plays and they win 42 36. So Josh Allen doesn't get to see the ball uh, after what he thinks is the go ahead touchdown with 13 seconds left. And instead of going to the AFC championship, he's, he went home. So. Incredible. It's incredible. It was uh, the most thrilling uh, two minutes of football you'll ever see before that overtime where Kansas city just did, did their thing. And by that point, like Buffalo is exhausted. It's cold. They're away. Both teams are exhausted. Like defense was out the window in a game like this. This was the opposite of the, the game at Lambeau where it was too cold, where this was pretty cold, uh, but these teams were still shredding each other. Yeah. And an interesting sorry, little nugget here is apparently Tyler Bass, the kicker, missed the squib kick call. So we a lot of people were uh. yeah, a lot of people were shredding them for the, the team for not kicking, you know, doing a squib kick with 13 seconds left, uh, which would have probably taken at least, you know, five, six seconds off the clock. 
but apparently he missed the call because he was kicking into a net, you know, uh, on the sideline. So a lot of strange circumstances, maybe it's, it's too loud in there. They, they couldn't communicate. Maybe that's what happens when you're on the road. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure that that wouldn't have happened if they were at home. So yeah, it's, it's always the little things. It's the details that, that cause these, these big picture impacts. That's insane. I did not know that. That's why, <laughs> yeah, this all just happened this game a week ago. So that I did not know. That is fascinating. And um, wow. Okay. That doesn't change my what if, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll just, because, well, I guess you could tie it in. We'll do a, du- I'll do a double what if here. Uh, so initially I was thinking about what happened during the game and I mean, both teams had their chances. Stephon Diggs could have been more involved. Um, uh, the, the, the beginning of the game, these teams were very methodical. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes kind of using their legs to create plays. So defense was stood no chance against this kind of elite playmaking. So it has to come down to the this last 13 seconds because everything else was, it was too much. These quarterbacks controlled the day. Let's say it's two. If Tyler Bass gets the squib kick right, there's just no way in hell. Okay. I don't care. It's not happening with like five seconds left. It's not. The chances <laughs> are dramatically reduced. We'll they're, say that. Yeah. They're that. even significantly <laughs> less. We're not calling Music City Miracles uh, or anything like that. We're not calling it five seconds. It's not going down from 13 to five. And that's the new infamous play. If, if, this, if Tyler Bass gets this, the squib kick call, the Bills win this game. Uh, the other what if is just somehow Patrick Mahomes throws an, an incomplete pass. They get a stop on this uh, during these 13 seconds. Maybe uh, the Harrison Butker misses the field goal. Just just not 40, 40 yards in eight seconds and somehow miraculously kicking the field goal. Just anything besides that is the other what if. Yeah, and I believe it was a 47-yard kick, and he had missed one earlier in the game. I think he also missed an extra point. So it, it, it definitely wasn't a gimme. Um, so it's very possible that – or sorry, it was a 49-yard field goal. So 50 yards almost in the freezing cold. So he gets a lot of credit for that. But, yeah, he very easily could have missed that kick. And, of course, Buffalo wins that game. So that's, that's I guess, a third what-if in that situation. Yeah. So what, where do you have them if they pull this off and they were so close? What, what happens here? They play the Bengals uh, yeah. in a few. They would have played the Bengals in a few days instead of uh, the Chiefs. What do you think happens next? So we can, obviously can't say for sure, um, you know, if, if they would have won the AFC championship game or the Super Bowl. But what we can say for sure is that they would have been favored against the, the Bengals probably by maybe 10 points, uh, especially at home, or at least a touchdown. And they definitely would have been favored over both the, the Rams and the 49ers, who are both you know flawed teams in their own way. Um, and then we would have gotten to see Josh Allen in a Super Bowl in a dome, um, where this like absolute, this track team uh, of a football squad would have, would have been running all over the place. So, uh, you know, it's not like KC is a slouch if they make the Super Bowl or, or anybody on the NFC, but we were definitely robbed of seeing, like you said, probably the best Buffalo team that we've had in a long time uh, make a Super Bowl. So, And shortly before recording, the offensive coordinator was hired as the head coach of the New York Giants, Brian Dayball. Yeah. So they're, they're getting, yes. you know, picked apart uh, 
for their success. So it's going to be hard to come back. I mean, maybe this is the uh, passing of the torch, so to speak. You know, they say Pat, Pat Mahomes lost uh, uh, Tom Brady a couple years back in overtime. He didn't get to touch the ball, came back and won a Super Bowl. Uh, maybe it's Josh Allen's turn. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, just, just because they are shaking things up, it doesn't mean that they won't come back uh, really solid next year just because we expect Josh Allen to take another leap. Uh, but this was definitely um, a hell of a team and a hell of a shot. That was just so close. Okay. So right. I had I had that one at, at my number five. So I know you had a little bit higher, but I, I still had it on my list, even though, like I said, it just happened a week ago. So <laughs> I'll, I'll pass it back to you. Okay, so this is a, another one, uh, a little way back in the time machine. Uh, so it's tied to our number two. So number two, or my number two, was you know the the Bills traded OJ and they end up drafting uh, Jim Kelly with the picks that they came as a result. So uh, unfortunately, when they drafted Jim Kelly, he didn't want to play for them either, uh, just like Greg Cousineau. Uh He ends up going to the USFL. Uh, he plays with the Houston Gamblers because uh, he's a he's a Pennsylvania guy, but he played his college football in Miami and he just didn't want to play in the cold. So it's a, a familiar complaint about guys playing with Buffalo. Uh, but he absolutely lights it up in, in the USFL um, and he probably would have stayed there for a long time. But the league folded and Buffalo still had his rights. So uh, what what ends up happening is. During the three years that they still had Jim Kelly's rights, but he was, you know, playing in the USFL, that the Bills were terrible. They go two and fourteen in eighty-three and eighty-four, and they go four and twelve in eighty-five. And because they were so bad, they were essentially tanking while also having a, a Hall of Fame quarterback on the books. And they were able to draft guys like Bruce Smith with the number one overall pick, uh, Frank Reich who was a big player during this time, quarterback, backup quarterback, greatest comeback in NFL history. Uh, they drafted Andre Reed, a Hall of Famer. They also draft uh, two great players on defense in Shane Conlon and Nate Odom. So basically, the fact that Jim Kelly snubbed this team ended up being a huge blessing in disguise because they were able to stockpile all these picks and draft all these great players. Uh, and basically if Jim Kelly doesn't snub them, they don't make all these Super Bowls because uh, ostensibly they're going to be a better team and they don't, uh, you know, they can't tank and draft. Well, they definitely don't draft Bruce Smith number one because they're, they're a better team than that. So yeah, basically if uh, my, what if is if Jim Kelly doesn't snub the bills, we don't get these four heartbreaks, but we also probably don't get these, uh, that, that dynasty team. So this is a really good one. Um, because it was, I remember watching the 40, 30, 40, 40, 30 for 30 uh, episode on, on Buffalo and how the four, the four falls of Buffalo, four falls of Buffalo. Yeah. Really good one. Um, And I I remember Jim Kelly snubbing them and and found that to be peculiar. And we've seen quarterbacks do this throughout history. I'm I'm just not playing there. I think he was one of few though, that actually did end up after saying that initially uh, playing for the team that drafted him. I think, John Elway, a couple other guys uh, said they didn't want to play for certain teams and then didn't, but he actually, Eli Manning. yeah, Eli Manning, he actually <laughs> did come back to Buffalo. Um, so that, that, that part is, is, is interesting. Yeah. And it's, 
you know, it's one of those things where I'm sure the, the Bills fans and the Bills front office by tearing their hair out um, at yet another top pick, you know, snubbing them. But it, it worked out really well. I mean, Bill Polian was uh, he's the GM at the time. He's the architect of these teams. And he was able to capitalize on all these high draft picks uh, just because Jim Kelly said, uh, I'm not playing for you guys. Yeah, Bill Polian built a hell of a resume as a result, too, right? Six-time executive of the year, Peyton Manning, et cetera. So. Yeah, I mean, if you look at his track record those years, it's it's remarkable. The number of Hall of Famers and, and just incredible players that, that he drafted over that time, um, you know, he definitely earned those awards. Yeah, this is a really good one um, because, again, it takes a mistake <laughs> or some sort of, you know, uh, 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 what was a, a negative at the time into a positive and how if that seemingly didn't happen, we don't have the run. So it's two two different uh, players that didn't want to play for the Bills end up causing um, a really uh, a blessing in disguise. Yeah, and then you could argue it was three because OJ didn't want to play there either and he wanted a massive contract. He wasn't happy with the front office. Uh, but yeah, it's not all heartbreak in Buffalo, you know, some, right. Uh, clouds with some silver linings here on their, their, their dark cloud. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a- anything else for this. What, do you have anything else you want to add? No, no. It's all back to you. Cool. So, so my number four uh, looks at the management of the Buffalo bills for from 2000 up through the sale of the team uh, in 2014. So my what if is what if the hunt for a quarterback went a different way? Uh, So they had Doug Flutie, who we mentioned in the infamous uh, Music City Miracle game. Uh, In the following season in the 2000 draft, uh, they draft one of the bigger busts in Buffalo Bills history, Eric Flowers. Uh, in the first round, different Eric Flowers is one that plays now uh, in, at the tw- the 26th overall pick. Only played two years for Buffalo uh, and maybe a couple. They drafted a couple of other players in that 2000 draft. And the 2000 draft, we bring up a lot on this podcast because Tom Brady was drafted <laughs> in the 2000 drafts. And there's almost a what if for Tom Brady for every team because everyone literally, yeah, <laughs> to some degree passed on Tom Brady, right? And he played for. He's been playing for over 20 years. <laughs> so uh, what, what, what I'm getting at here is, I, is we talked about this with the Cowboys is kind of a lack of uh, a succession plan. Like they have Doug Flutie. They play Rob Johnson in that Music City Miracle game. And he wasn't good. We talked, you just mentioned all, a bunch of great points as to why Doug Flutie would have been a better option. And the quarterback position is just so important. And you have all of these general managers all trying to outsmart the other and build these teams. And I can understand not drafting Tom Brady because he went so late. No one <laughs> saw this coming. Uh, but but the Bills still saw something in Flutie or and Johnson. But at this point, it feels like they already knew who Rob Johnson was. He wasn't it. Um so kind of like with the Cowboys and Troy Aikman, how they didn't have a succession plan. Neither did the Bills. A couple of years after this, they went with uh, 30-year-old Drew Bledsoe after Tom Brady kicked him out of town, essentially. And in those seasons with Drew Bledsoe, they went eight for eight. 
six and ten, and nine and seven. Uh, so that did so very work. average. Very average. I mean, he had his run, but he was not the same guy by this time. And this kind of runs with a trend of them running through a bunch of front office executives over the next decade before the team was sold in 2014 to the current owner, Terry Pagula. So they go 18 years without another playoff appearance. They finally broke the drought under, uh, I don't remember if it was Rex Ryan or Sean McDonough in 2017. It was Tyrod Taylor starting for quarterback. That was the, the, a long, one of the longest droughts in sports uh, was broken when they, when they made the playoffs. Uh, I think they lost in the wild card game to a Jacksonville team with the number one defense in football that year. Uh, that was in 2017 Yep, under Sean McDermott. So I believe it was Sean McDermott's first year. Okay, so uh, Sean McDermott is the, yeah. is, uh, is, is the co- core competency here. So, <laughs> so the, the, the what if is kind of just if, this, if the team was, was managed differently because they went through four or five different general managers throughout that time trying to piece together a team. So, and, and ended up resulting in the sale of the team because nothing was going right. Um, so this might be an maybe if you're a Bills fan, this is all very self-aware. But I feel like this is a part of Bills history. Unless you really look into it, you miss that. Not only did uh, the after the Music City miracle, everything fell apart, and there just was a la- there was a lot of mismanagement for almost twenty years after that. Yeah, and it, it, they in the years. Between Jim, the Jim Kelly era and the Josh Allen era, uh, the Bills had almost 20 starting quarterbacks. So uh, that's that's not a great sign. <laughs> Obviously, it's, it's 20 years almost from 96 uh, to 2018 when they drafted uh, Josh Allen. So over 20 years and they had more than or about 20 starting quarterbacks. And it wasn't for a lack of trying. Uh, they definitely tried to replace uh, Jim Kelly, they used a first round pick on JP Lossman. Uh, they, they drafted Trent Edwards, I think in the third round, they drafted EJ Manuel in the first round. Uh, so it wasn't, like I said, for a lack of trying, but it just goes to show you that, you know, without a clear organizational plan, you know, if you're shuffling GMs and execs every year, there's no identity to the team. And, you know, guys are maybe, uh, taking big swings or reaching on players that, 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 you know, weren't first round caliber and hitching their wagon to quarterbacks that just weren't good enough. Uh, and now with Josh Allen, they obviously have a quarterback that's good enough to take him to the promised land. And that has come as a result of some organizational stability, uh, some stability at head coach. So, you know, it's, it's a chicken or the egg situation that the quarterback could breed that stability, but, it's such a situation dependent position that without that organizational stability, more often than not, your quarterbacks are going to fail. Yep. hundred percent. So I, I think it's, and, and you can see it in the amount of turnover they had in the front office, that this was a problem. So yeah, it's a, it's a very common theme with struggling NFL teams, the, especially in, in this past, uh, this millennia, the Raiders, the Browns, the bills for a long time, et cetera. You know, if you're, if you got double digit starting quarterbacks, you're, you're not in good shape. <laughs> so credit, credit to them for getting frustrated and shaking things up and, and uh, adapting to change after just a few years uh, with new ownership. So I think things will be different for Buffalo for a while now that they have gotten things right. Yeah. 
Cool. I'll pass it back over to you. Yeah. So, so we covered my number four uh, earlier was the, the music city miracle. Uh, I think we covered that game pretty well. Uh, and then of course, uh, or my number five was the, the 13 seconds game. So we talked about that as well. Um, and kind of the, the legend that that's growing um, around Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes. And hopefully we get to see a lot more of those battles. Uh, so yeah, we covered all five of mine and I think you have one more. All right. Uh, there's a lot of overlap. I just, uh, <laughs> this one isn't, isn't too uh, complicated. I, it, it kind of relates a bit to my number four with, with the quarterback hunt and um, trying to, to the kind of the mismanagement of the organization. This one is very specific though. And it's what if the bills drafted Aaron Rodgers instead of trading up uh uh, their pick in advance and drafting JP Lossman. So I think they missed two quarterbacks here. They actually miss on Ben Roethlisberger and Aaron Rodgers, and they traded their pick to Dallas, the 2005 uh, first round pick and Dallas drafts Marcus Spears, which is fine. He was a good player, uh, but they were initially trying to get Ben Roethlisberger who ends up going way earlier uh, than their pick. I believe they picked Lossman at, um, like Roethlisberger was drafted at 11, Lossman was uh, drafted at 22nd. So yeah. it was a missed opportunity, and it sounds like a, a, a miscalculation uh, in, in where they thought Roethlisberger would end up. Maybe they tried another trade to get yeah, they, another up. Is that what happened? They missed? From, from what I read, they, they were trying to trade into the top 10, uh, so once Eli Manning and, and Philip Rivers were off the board, they were trying to trade with Houston, um, who had you know David Carr at the time, and they were trying to trade up to the to the tenth spot to draft Roethlisberger, but obviously we're not able to do so. And then he goes the following pick to to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think David Carr just got sacked after you said his name. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an angel getting its wings every time a bell rings. <laughs> so, yeah, if you say his name three times in the mirror, he gets sacked <laughs> wherever he's at. <laughs> um, so they, they miss out on Ben. They couldn't get the trade right. So they still end up trading. Uh, and who knows if they knew whether or not he would be on their draft board by that time. It's that I don't, I don't know that, that information wasn't available. Um, so they get J.P. Lossman. I remember J.P. Lossman when I was in high school. He had one year where he was dropping bombs to Lee Evans. Uh, but they ended up coining him the term Lossman. Uh, the, the coaching staff never really trusted him. He was benched twice in favor of aging veteran Kelly Holcomb. Uh, and then they drafted Trent Edwards as a rookie uh, shortly after. Uh, so he, he's a, a really high draft bust. Uh, because it, in relation to the quarterback position, they traded up to get him. They ended up trading away what would be, would be the 20th overall pick in the 2005 draft to Dallas. And sitting there at number 20 the following year was Aaron Rodgers. So my what if is, uh, if you're not going to get into the top 10 like you initially were going to, uh, keep your pick and, 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 and be a little more competent in the following year, uh, you get Aaron Rodgers and you don't have this 18 year drought, uh, trying picking different quarterbacks and seeing what sticks and what doesn't. So I think that they, they had a legit missed opportunity because they got some sort of, uh, FOMO, some sort of fear of missing out, or, uh, they felt like they had to still trade up into that draft, even though they didn't get the slot they wanted. Yeah. 
it's it's rare that the the third or fourth best quarterback in a draft um, or the third or fourth selected quarterback in the draft is is the best one. So like you said, they got FOMO. They reached perhaps for JP Lossman. Uh, he his career gets off to a rocky start and he breaks his leg in rookie training camp. Um, so he's obviously not able to beat out Drew Bledsoe. And then his career kind of spirals from there. Like you said, he has that one good year uh, in 06, but he only lasts in Buffalo for uh, five years, but he doesn't start that many games. Like you said, he keeps getting benched for, for Kelly Holcomb and, and other quarterbacks that also aren't very good. So <laughs> Uh, it's unfortunate for him. It's unfortunate for Buffalo because if they kept their pick, they could have picked Aaron Rodgers the next year. So, yep. Well, that's, that's all I had. Did you have any honorable mentions? I did. I feel like I'm the honorable mention guy. I need you to, to, to come up with some too. <laughs> so I'm not the only one talking, uh, but I have, I have two. Uh, the first one is what if Josh Allen went to the Cleveland Browns? Um, so in that draft, that 2018 draft, there was, I think, five quarterbacks taken or six quarterbacks taken in the first round. It was Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, uh, Josh Allen, obviously, and Lamar Jackson. Uh, but the, the reports leading up to the draft were that the Browns really liked Josh Allen. Uh, they also liked uh, Sam Darnold. So, But a lot of people expected Josh Allen to be the number one pick, but perhaps it was um, his small school pedigree, his kind of unorthodox play style, uh, but he ends up falling to Buffalo and the Cleveland Browns take uh, Baker Mayfield. So maybe it would have been the Browns in the uh, AFC divisional game going toe to toe with, with uh, Pat Mahomes if they drafted him instead. Uh, and my second honorable mention is way, way, way back. Uh, so this is uh, Ralph Wilson, the original owner and founder of the Bills, uh, was a part owner of the Detroit Lions, but he wanted to buy into the AFL, and he very nearly started an AFL team in Miami and not in Buffalo. Uh, so he was going to uh, put a team there, but there was some issue with them not having a, a stadium, so they would have had to use the Orange Bowl, which the University of Miami plays in. Uh, but at that time, for whatever reason, NFL or pro teams weren't allowed to use college stadiums. So he had to look elsewhere and he ends up uh, landing in Buffalo. So I, I can't think of a, a more different place to Miami than, than Buffalo, New York, but uh, that's where he, he decided to plant his flag. Huh? Interesting. A very, a very close call. Yeah. Maybe, I, I mean, maybe he would have been the, the owner of the uh, soon-to-be Miami Dolphins. Who knows? Maybe we don't get a, a franchise in Buffalo. So, don't say that. There's Buffalo Bills fans listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for uh, good for Ralph Wilson for not being scared of a little snow. Yeah, starting this team. Cool. That's a good one. Those are interesting honorable mentions. Uh, let's go ahead and and recap uh, our list. I'll I'll let you go ahead and and, and go first. Okay, so my number one is what if the Bills won Super Bowl 25, the famous wide right game? Uh, number two, what if the Bills pay OJ Simpson instead of trading him to the San Francisco 49ers? What if Jim Kelly doesn't snub the Bills uh, for a few years in the mid 80s? Number four, what if Doug Flutie starts the famous Music City Miracle game uh, ahead of Rob Johnson? And my number five is what if the Bills won the famous 13 seconds game? 
or the infamous, I guess, for, for Bills fans. Cool. Uh, my, my list, uh, my number one is uh, also is what if the Buffalo Bills won the wide right uh, Super Bowl? Uh, my number two is the Music City Miracle. What if Wade Phillips wasn't a coward? Uh, my number three is what if they won the 13 seconds AFC division playoff game against the Chiefs? Uh, my number four is what if uh, the hunt for a quarterback um, and, and, and management went a different way? uh for pretty much throughout the 2000s and my number five was what if they drafted aaron Rodgers instead of jp lossman so a, a lot of heartbreak uh i mean this is kind of what the bills are known for but uh it wasn't all heartbreak i mean it's obviously unfortunate that they they weren't able to win those super bowls but they got there that's got to mean something right is is the afc championships uh some kind of consolation i guess what my question is, and I should have looked into this, is do you have Bill's Mafia and the jumping uh, through tables as a result? Was this a tradition that goes <laughs> back that far? Or did they start jumping through tables as a result of heartbreak? That I don't know. Maybe they can let us know, um, <laughs> you know, when when I when we share this on social. But, yeah, maybe it's the angst of all those heartbreaks and close wins or close losses, uh, you know, coming to fruition in the form of jumping through like a, a burning table because uh, those guys are crazy. Maybe it's the cold. Maybe it's so damn cold. Let's just let's just jump through a burning plastic table, and get warm. Yeah, there's nothing like a fractured arm. And <laughs> there, there's one of a guy. I love his form. He jumps. He leaps through the air and falls through the table via like elbow drop. And it's it actually is. It's very graceful. He has like a future in in pro wrestling. Yeah, he gave the table to people's elbow. <laughs> All right. Um, well, thank, thank you, Khaled. Uh, thank you all for, for listening uh, to the top five what-if moments uh, in Buffalo Bills history. Uh, we'll be back next week with a new episode of another football team to celebrate the NFL postseason. Uh, please subscribe. Please leave a review, share uh, uh, on social media. Shout out to Bills Reddit for giving us a couple of suggestions. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll see everyone real soon. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Rappers coming to my city, they gon' need consent. I already know you were gonna need so we convinced. I told Virgil right brick on my brick. The nicest with this shit ain't right this. I just spit white on if my this is ice. Drip on my fist, no shoe deal. But look at all this nice this shit I get. Yeah. <laughs> on those Street, it's white. This shit I pitch. Two in the morning on the corner, night shift with my blick. No soda. In.